Hello. Hello. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. And my dudes, <laughs> wish us luck. We yeah. are recording this a few days later for a second time. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost basically everything for this episode due to some technical difficulties. Um, so, first time for y'all. But again, I say welcome to Akafaz in July, episode two on the Massive Fans Book Club podcast. We hope that this episode... You'll hear us continue A Court of Frost and Starlight by Sarah J. Mass, specifically chapters 5 through 10, but honestly, if we have downloading issues again, you may only get chapters 5 and 6. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what survived from the previous recording. <laughs> but, Why? Oh. That being said, you're also going to get episodes dropped randomly for the rest of the month because despite a bunch of scheduling and technology issues, we are committed to wrapping Akafaz by the end of July so that we can go back to finish Crescent City House of Earth and Blood in August. Yay! So now now for the housekeepings. You know, <laughs> nothing's changed. The drill's the same. This podcast is not for little ears. Please don't. Just don't. <laughs> If you're listening to this when the episode drops, you still have a little bit of time to enter our winter solstice giveaway, which dropped a few days ago on Instagram and Facebook. So check out how to enter over yonders. Entries are due by July 25th, which is right around the corner. So unless you listen after July 25th, in which case we're sorry. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, a, a winner will be picked and chosen and announced during our first August episode, which will be Crescent City House of Earth and Blood. Mm-hmm. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Sorry, wrong fandom. Uh, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a little. Okay, okay, okay. So um, I'm covering the favorite chapters. So uh, chapter five. Who dis? <laughs> yeah, who dis? Who dis? It's favorite, so it's me. <laughs> well then. Take it away. Okay. So chapter five starts with Farah. Uh, if you remember, she kind of was just like, okay, well, I guess I got some time to kill before we go deal with this whole uh, human city situation. So she is, this is the stupidest choice in my opinion. She is curled up on the bed, toasty and drowsy and like warm with her blankies. Okay, bitch, if you know you have to be somewhere in a couple hours, is this really where you want to be? This is how you fall asleep. This is how you wake up groggy and pissed off. Yes. <laughs> like, this seems like a shitty choice, but whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, they have, like, another hour until they're going to go to the Hume City. Like I said, I would personally get up and, like, start and get my game face on. But, like, mm, who am I to judge? Reese does come in, and apparently he just looks, um, well, cruddy. <laughs> she describes it as, like, it looks like he's fighting his exhaustion with every breath. And she even goes as far as to say that, like, maybe we should just, like, talk to more about, like, delaying this whole meeting for, like, another day. And he is just kind of like, no, like, I'm fine. Like, if Ares will be there, then this is, like, a perfect time to, like, drop in for a little visity-boo of our own. And uh, she's like, okay, whatever, that's fine, I guess. But, like, you look, like, you look exhausted, so I feel like this is a bad choice. And he's like, nope, it's fine. Like, I'll just, you know. I'll, I'll get myself together. I'll go get washed up. I'll have a snack. It'll be okay. I'll get me a Snickers. 
And she's like, she then kind of like tells him, like he beats around the bush with that plan. And so she just flat out tells him, which I think is cute. She's like, wash up and change. We're leaving in 45 minutes. I'll be back soon. And she goes to get him some snacks. <laughs> I know. She's so nice. Yeah. And he's like, you don't have to. And she's like, I want to, and I'm going to. So she does. Yeah, it's cute. It's cute. And she comes back and he's like, considering you brought me the entire damn kitchen, I should have just gone downstairs. (laughs) And like, how much do they eat? Do you think they eat a lot? I feel like they probably eat a lot. Anyway. Probably. Valerian like has to eat a lot, right? Like you fly and shit. I don't know. Yeah. So then we start down this like hilarious world reversal. I'm not sure it was supposed to be hilarious, but it was to me. <laughs> I think it was probably supposed to just be endearing, but I was like, LOL, we've had this conversation before. Um, because he's like starting to like snack on his, uh, what is it? Bread and, uh, cold roast beef. I'm just weird choices. Anyway, she's like, you know, what did you eat today? Did you eat anything? And he says, I had an apple this morning. And she's like, Reese. And he says, I was busy. Reese. He sets down his floor, his mouth twitching towards a smile. Feyre. I cross my arms. No one is too busy to eat. She's like, and he's just, this is where I'm like, this is getting, like, we've been here, done this. He's like, we're fussing. And she says, it's my job to fuss. And besides, you fuss plenty over far more trivial things. Your cycle isn't trivial. I was in a little bit of pain. You were thrashing on the bed as if someone had gutted you. And you were acting like an overbearing mother hen. I didn't see you screaming at Cassie and Moore as when they expressed concern for you. They didn't try to spoon feed me like an invalid. (laughs) I'm like man I hope this was supposed to be funny because it is <laughs> I think it is a moment of levity here I really do because... like I'm sorry this funny um I'm sure they're yelling but this funny um, yes. and the whole thing is is it's just like a little mm, piece of information for you to like tuck in the back of your head because it's like I always say with these books like world building is weird because like you need all of these details for a well thought out like understandable fantasy world but on the other hand you're like Jesus Christ they have to like track their periods here this is not where I want to be um, exactly <laughs> it's like I this what no mm, there should just be no periods if I'm making a fantasy land no periods no periods for anybody (laughs) um but but yeah long story yeah long story short um if you're like fae and that's the thing too i don't even know does it matter like is it all fae or like only high fae i do like like i don't know weird fae that are like green and stuff like i don't know know. yeah i don't know we never find out i think this just like opened up like a levy of more questions than answers (laughs) yeah yes it has i would agree actually Um, they only get two periods a year um but those are like horrendous i mean if you really stop and think about it i don't know if anybody else experienced this but like if i like like if i ever like skip a period for whatever reason like my next one sucks big time so if you skipped five your sixth would be like top notch shitty um so yeah, like they only get two a year. They're really horrendous. Like apparently they're just like completely agonizing. Although I do uh, offer up the fact that probably we have listeners who have like like shitty, shitty periods and like things like, you know, endometriosis and everything else who probably are like, yeah, bitch, try every month. But you get the gist. <laughs> I was amused that she talked about having to explain to her sisters and how awkward that was. 
Right. So we get through that whole like flashback of her period, right? And then we get like kind of like sidestep into like, oh, by the way, while I was saying that like Elaine <laughs> would be too embarrassed to tell Lucian, Lucian, by the way, likes to drop by every now and then again, but like she just ignores him and he leaves. And that's pretty much where we're at with Lucian. <laughs> so here you are. Um, and then we're like back to the real conversation at hand, which is, you know, oh, how are you feeling? Yeah, you need to eat. No, blah, 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 blah. And the reason this matters is because Reese kind of is trying to now ask her like, okay, well, you talked to me about my day or whatever, but like, where, you know, where did you go like today? And she makes a note internally, which I thought was sweet, where she's like, if I wanted to talk, he'd listen. If I didn't want to, he would let it go. It had been our unspoken bargain from the start to listen when the other needed and give space when it was required. He was slowly working his way through telling me all that had been done to him, all he'd witnessed under the mountain. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's important to know that like they do like... It's interesting for two reasons to me. One, because you're like, oh, cute. Like, that's healthy. Because, yeah, sometimes you want to talk and sometimes you don't. That's nice that they have that. But it's interesting because I just started the Acomath re-listen with the audio graphic. And back in Acomath, Ferris says a weird thing where she says she and Tamlin's agreement is to never talk about what happened under the mountain because they don't want to give that power to like Amarantha. They want to pretend it never happened. Right. And I just think it's interesting because at that time she truly thought that was the healthy method. She thought that was going to work. You know what I mean? And so it's just interesting to see like how that has grown and how like now in this relationship that is different and better. (laughs) Very true. No, very true. Anyway, uh, Reese is like, yeah, so like, what's going on in your head, yo? And she says, well, you know, I'm just thinking about Elaine and Lucian. And it's because now they're trying to decide, like, what are they going to do with Lucian for solstice? (laughs) Yeah. What is the plan? And so it's like, well, like, will will Lucian join us for solstice? Is it bad if he does? And Reese's, you know, <laughs> Reese's response is kind of funny. He's like, well, I can stomach being around him. <laughs> and she's like, what? So kind. Yeah, what a thrilling endorsement. And yes. I appreciate what he says, which is, I can let go of the taunts and the fact that he still harbors some hope for one day reuniting with Tamlin, but I cannot let go of how he treated you after Under the Mountain. And Faber's like, that's weird because, like, I can forgive him. Like, he was also going through a lot and, like, didn't, you know what I mean? Like, Honestly, we all were mad that Lucian didn't do more, but we also know that Lucian didn't have a lot of ability to do anything. Exactly. And so it's kind of interesting because Faber's like, really? Seriously? Like, that still has got you hung up? Because, like, I'm over that. (laughs) And he's like, well, I'm not. He says, you'll forgive me if I can't. He means forgive him for that. Which And then they talk about Nesta and Elaine. Yeah! Yeah! So then it's like a weird weird conversation i figured i was like i can't wait to talk about this because i'm like i know kim has to have feelings about this weird weird thing so he's pissed at lucian because lucian like didn't get Feyre out of like her relationship with tamlin like after under the mountain like he wasn't like hey tamlin stop abusing Feyre," which like why would lucian do that um he's like and then he's mad at nesta she says you can barely talk to nesta yet elaine you can talk to nicely and his response is elaine is elaine (laughs) 
which I thought was like so fucking annoying. And she says like, you can't blame one without blaming the other, which I think is a fair statement. Absolutely. Like I think they were both at fault. Yeah. I think Feyre has like a really healthy outlook on that, to be honest. She does. Which it's is really, both, she, both of her sisters, you know, both of her sisters basically left her in a horrible position. Well, and that's okay. So then that's like an interesting thing too, that I thought about like listening to the audiographic again too. It's interesting to me that we hold so much like anger for both the sisters. I mean, like I get it, but like, I, that's why like, I guess Feyre and I on this, like on this topic, like Feyre and I kind of think the same, which is Feyre can look at it and go, yep, that was shitty. She can also look at it objectively yep. and say, yeah, that was shitty on both their parts for different reasons. Absolutely. But she also, I think, acknowledges, like, but why would they know or think better? Our exactly. mother sucked. Our father basically sucked. Okay? No. Like, I was young, but so were they. So, like, she's looking at it as, like, yeah, like, you can't blame one without the other, but she doesn't even really blame either of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I know exactly what you mean. And, and honestly, I think that's a realistic way of looking at it. Yeah, it seems, I really like her outlook. You know, I think Reese, because he loves her and he's going to protect her, he's not as forgiving about it. Which, like, I think is like a double-edged sword. I think there's part of you, exactly. like, part of part of me that thinks, like, oh, that's really nice to have somebody have your back, like, so much that they feel that way. But then on the other hand, it's also, like, to his detriment that she's asking him to like suck it up shut up and accept her sisters for who they are then he also kind of needs to do that and he's not exactly so i agree i do appreciate what he says about nesta though because i think it opens i think it opens like a relationship for silver flames for the two of them for like there's at least a nod to a room for growth where he says you know elaine is elaine i and i you know he just does not blame her for that but nesta She's Illyrian. I mean that as a compliment, but she's an Illyrian at heart, so there's no excuse for her behavior. And she, like, favorite's kind of like she's more than made up for it, like this summer with everything she did. And right. he says, I cannot forgive anyone who made you suffer. I think he kind of in that moment acknowledges this is a me problem. <laughs> like, you're right. You're right. I am more mad than you. <laughs> like, because I have feelings about what she did because I think that she should have known better because I actually like want to like her. You know what I mean? Like, no, I agree. Yeah. So I just think that that's like a really interesting conversation that then we super abandon really fast. <laughs> like we were going somewhere deep with that. <laughs> yeah. And it devolves very fast. And then it turns into what should I get you for solstice? <laughs> Which is kind of cute because basically what happened was Feyre was just like, well, you have to forgive her at some point because she's my sister and she's coming to solstice. Which like in fairness, like probably what my response would be because I'd be like, well, I don't know what to say to you, my dude. Um, (laughs) And so he says, you know, like, should that be my solstice gift to you for giving Nesta, you know, Okay, what he says, and I think it's a little shitty, like I said, because I think in my head I was like, the math just like kind of sucks because he's like, should that be my solstice gift to you for giving Nesta for letting her 14-year-old sister go into those woods? Yes. 
Because if her sister was 14, then she was like maybe 18. Maybe. She was 16. <laughs> Jesus Christ, she was 16. Okay. Like, Fayette was basically a dimwit when you met her at 18. Okay. Like, could you imagine what that family, those girls looked like at 16? Like, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. There's four years. She was 18. Yeah, so she was 18. But my There's point is. Four years like, between them. But this is my point. But we know how, like, not knowledgeable of the world Favor was at the beginning of Akatar. So picture that with two younger siblings, a crappy dad, a crappy mom, and then ask that person to be smart enough to like think differently than she was already thinking because she thought she was thinking smart by trying to force her father to do something. Exactly. So like, anyway, I just thought that was kind of like a weird dig, like forgive Nesta for letting her 14 year old sister go into those woods. Yes, because you're asking, like I said, at max, a barely educated 18-year-old to be smarter than her father. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I agree. I, I think, <laughs> and I'm not a huge fan of Nesta, because I think, I just right. think overall she's, up to this point in the story, she has been nothing but honestly a raging Sure, bitch. sure. And honestly, she does not get better in this book. You've been forewarned. <laughs> yes. Um, but at the same time, if Farrah has found it within herself to forgive her sister, right. I agree with her. I think, I think Reese needs to figure it out too. Yes. A thousand percent. Yes. A thousand percent. Anyway, this is where it devolves into their little game, a thought for a thought, which like <laughs> normally is, um, very like revealing, but this time just kind of like <laughs> goes wrong. Um, so they play their thought for a thought down the bond game. Okay, like, where'd you go? She says, okay, I went to the rainbow. And she tells a little bit about, you know, meeting the artist, yada, yada. And then she says, I haven't painted anything in a while. So it turns into like, okay, cool. Then like, if you want to paint, go paint. And she's like, no, I can't like have a hobby right now. Like, shit's wild. Which like, it's like I said, 2022 uh, in America right now. I feel that with every bit of my soul. Absolutely. (laughs) But here we are making a podcast anyway. So, uh, like I said, I appreciate what he says, which is if you want to paint, then paint Feyre. You know, implying that the, you know, converse would be true then, which is if you don't, then don't. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And she's like, yeah. And she basically is like, yeah, yeah, maybe I will. And then the conversation like further devolves and is like, hey, (laughs) you forgot your birthday is on solstice. And she's like, uh-huh yeah like i know it's my birthday and he's like so that means you get two presents which like as somebody whose birthday is in december like i feel like i've had this conversation 37 times in my life anyway <laughs> he does say something which is cute which is you were born on the longest night of the year you were meant to be at my side from the very beginning which is adorable, except for the fact that he um, is also, like, rubbing her back while he says it, like, getting down mm-hmm. to her booty. And so you're like, oh, we're trying to turn this into something. He's trying to get some, but if you forgot, we're supposed to be somewhere soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he'd be trying to get some, and <laughs> she's like, you know, okay, well, your turn. Like, I told you about my painting thing. You tell me a thing. 
And he basically tells her, like, hey, like, have I told you about that first time you winnowed and tackled me into the snow? And again, she's like, yeah, thanks. I was there. (laughs) He says, again, it's kind of cute. He says, you drove me out of my mind all those months ago. I still don't quite believe I get to have this. Have you? Which is cute. And she says that cute thing about how she, like, wanted him. Like, like now looking back, she can see that, like, she even, like, wanted him way back when. She says even, like, under the mountain. And she says, I chalked it up to those horrible circumstances. But after we killed her, when I couldn't tell anyone how I felt about how truly bad things were, I still told you. I've always been able to talk to you. I think my heart knew you were mine long before I ever realized it. Which is adorable. However, again, having just listened (laughs) to the audio graphic, she really doesn't tell him much of shit. I mean, till Akamath, which is fine. But that's not really, like, under the mountain. Arguably, what she should have said, (laughs) not to correct the author, what she should have said was she knew when he still talked to her and told her everything he was thinking under the mountain because of all the times he told her exactly what he was doing she just wasn't listening right he told her exactly who he was and what his motivations were the entire time oh yeah absolutely he just didn't like want to hear it basically nope so anyway, I just think that's like an interesting thing that she says she like thinks she loved him way back then. And I'm like, I kind of got a bone to pick with this, the book being from your perspective at all. <laughs> but okay, it was a cute response regardless. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And then he's like, I love you more than life, more than my territory, more than my crown. Oh, cute. Way to wrap it up. Now they're going to like get it on. Maybe. Uh, at least you would have thought so, except... Um, Knock, knock, knock. <laughs> More is like, just so you're aware, we do have to go soon. <laughs> uh, to which he says and announces we have 30 minutes. Uh, so uh, all of this chit-chatting and eating has taken at least 30 minutes. And <laughs> she just tells him, like, 30 minutes? What the fuck? It takes you two hours to get dressed. Like, and I don't mean Feyre. So, like, get your ass moving. <laughs> Prince more than Fira does. Yes, which I think is hilarious because she calls him on his shit. He's like, fine, I guess. We ain't doing nothing because I got more outside the door. The moment has passed. And the hilarious part is that he basically says to more like, go terrorize somebody else. I need to primp. <laughs> and uh, that was pretty much the end of the chapter. Uh, Fira makes a weird note that he goes and he basically takes a cold shower. He's like, see, he wanted me. And I'm like, yeah, we know. We've read the books. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> wow. <laughs> As if this isn't awkward. Yeah, so chapter six. Anyway, can take it away? Chapter six. It's from Moore's point of view. And they're under the mountain. Right. She's not in a good place mentally. Nope. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say that. She's not really not in a good place. Because she's like, it starts off with her saying, there was no light in this place. There never had been. Even the evergreen gardens, holly wreaths, and crackling birchwood fires in honor of the solstice couldn't pierce the eternal darkness that hewed in the hue, that dwelled in the hewn city. Yeah. Shit, that's depressing. 
Yeah. I like that she compares it to, like, the darkness of rotting things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, ew. Happy things. Yuck. <clears throat> so, <laughs> they have dismissed everybody except for Kier and Eris. Kier's pissy because he got caught with Eris there, and Eris is just kind of pissy, but he isn't. I just say, Eris kind of just handles it. Eris is just kind of like, yeah, like, you don't do sketchy things without somebody coming along while you're doing sketchy things. Like <laughs> Exactly. She says, in her mind, the sneering tone. She could still hear the hissed insults beneath it. Whispered long ago in her family's private suite. Whispered at every meeting and gathering when her cousin was not present. Half-breed monstrosity, a disgrace to the bloodline. I'm like, dude, here's a real dick. Okay, and this is where I don't understand the motivations of these people a little bit. And, I, and I'm not really saying that's bad writing because I think people are just fucking weird. So, like, that ain't SJM's fault. That's just true to life. But, true. like, could you imagine, like, an example. I may think that the president's an idiot, but, like, who am I? Who am I to like say I do not know him, right? I would never just stand there in front of everybody and be like, "Hey, Nick Watt," like you know what I mean? Like it just blows my mind. And think about it—that's me saying that about like just a human who gets elected to a position. This is a man who's saying this to another man who could like smite him where he stands. Exactly. Like, that would be a special kind of stupid. Akira is a special kind of stupid. <laughs> Let's face it. We know this. Um, and, you know, she's she still snips at her father and he proceeds to ignore her because he's that kind of a dick. Sure. And the next thing they they end up moving... They end up moving to um, the uh, to the meeting room to have a discussion at the table. Ooh, they get called into the principal's office. <laughs> Pretty much, <But> yeah. <laughs> and so they're all doing the nicey nice, you know, happy solstice. And Eris mm-hmm. comes back with, "I thought I'd extend some solstice greetings of my own." And this really takes more to a dark place in her memory. And she's like, that voice, that silky, arrogant voice, it had not altered, not in tone or timber, in the passing centuries either, had not changed since that day. Now, I'm going to warn y'all, we get the whole backstory. Well, not the whole, but we get Good old a large time. part of Moore's backstory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... It's all about what happened in the forest after her parents had nailed a sign to her womb. I'm sorry. It just kind of freaks me out every time I read it. I'm like, ow. Mm. Um, and as she says, you know, she's, she's reliving this in her memory. And she's like, light, steady steps crunched on the leaves. Six cents, a border guard, a patrol, help, someone to help. A male voice, foreign and deep, swore, then went silent. Went silent as a single pair of steps approached. She couldn't turn her head, couldn't bear the agony, couldn't do anything but inhale each wet, shuddering breath. Don't touch her. 
those steps stopped. It was not a warning to protect her, defend her. She knew the voice that spoke, had dreaded hearing it. She felt him approach now, felt each reverberation in the leaves, the moss, the roots, as if the very land shuddered before him. No one touches her, he said. Eris, the moment we do, she's our responsibility. And they talk about what had happened and and one of the guy one one of the other guards is like, but they they nailed a and and like Eris cuts him off. And he's like, they had spiked nails into her. Had pinned her down as she screamed, pinned her down as she roared at them and then begged them, and then they had taken out those long, brutal iron nails and the hammer, three of them. Three strikes of the hammer, drowned out by her screaming, by the pain. And then, you know, Eris's response is he's looking at her now. You know, he's facing her with his head over her. And he's like, I take it you do not wish to live here, Morgan. And he's like, I thought so. And they keep, they go. And then, of course, one of the other guards is finally like, you know, as Eris's turn to leave. And he's like, we're going to go now. And one of the guards is like, but we can't just leave her here, too. And Eris says, we can and we will. She chose to sully herself. Her family chose to deal with her like garbage. I have already told them my decision in this matter. A long pause, crueler than the rest. And I am not in the habit of fucking Illyrian leftovers. Okay, so quick pause for, like, fairly popular fan theory to some degree, I think. So the fan theory is that Eris isn't as bad as we think he is, and maybe he's a lot more like Reese than we thought, where, like, everything he does has, like, a thought process, right? Right. <laughs> maybe not as clearly readable as Reese is, you know what I mean? But, but the potential is there. Here's the thing. Right. I always kind of appreciated when people were saying that. I was like, oh, that is like a more interesting story than him just being like kind of crappy, like a weird kind yeah. of crappy, like not crappy enough to be a villain, but like we don't like him, you know? And so I was like, oh yeah, I like the idea that maybe there's more to him, right? It wasn't until like rereading this that I could line for line see like the wheels turning in how SJM writes as to what the alternative understanding of this exact scene could be. When he because he starts with the don't touch her and why the moment we do she's our responsibility which sounds shitty and if you are more and you are laying there and you are bleeding everywhere and you are in pain you hate him right now because you need help right but then mm -hmm. he ex basically explains himself because he says i take it you do not wish to live here morgan and she doesn't say like <laughs> save me <laughs> so he says i thought so and then when they're like, oh, we can't just leave her here. We can and we will. Pause. Like, as if trying to tell her what, but she can't hear it because she's in pain. You know what I mean? And he can't say mm -hmm. it because he's got reasons, you know? But he says she chose to sully herself. She did because she did not want to marry him. Her right. family chose to deal with it like garbage. And I already told them my decision in the matter, which is I did you a favor and I tried to back off first. I didn't know they were going to do this. Right. And I am not in the habit of fucking Illyrian leftovers. Don't worry, somebody already knows you're here. 
Yeah. Specifically, and Illyrian knows your hair. <laughs> exactly. And I just, I really feel like the first, you know, when we were talking, like when I've seen the fan theories and stuff, I had only read this book once before. So I was like, oh, I don't hate that fan theory. And I vaguely remembered this encounter. But like now thinking about how SJM writes, thinking about how like, you know, for example, chapter 54 of Akamath, we get Reese's perspective on a lot of events. I can now see how you would write Eris's perspective on this event very differently where he feels he tried to communicate with her and she just missed it. I agree. And I just think that's super interesting. I don't know if we'll ever get that story. I don't know if I'm right. I just, I think like, I, I just, sometimes I think like you see fan theories like out on book talk or Instagram or whatever, but I don't think people always explain the why. And I think that like, maybe this isn't other people's why, but that's why I think this could be the future of the story for them. No, I totally agree. And you still don't get the information in Silver Flames about it, but you get a little bit more insight into Eris and his character sure. himself and and the kind of male that he is. Sure. And I think this all makes sense. That 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 particular theory really does have merit to it. Yeah. So I just think that's really interesting because, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I kind of made fun of this chapter when you and I were talking offline about it because I was like, wow, it's just like a flashback and has nothing to do with the Hewn City. They make a big deal about going to the Hewn City and then all we get is a fucking flashback. <laughs> right. But, um, but I do think there's like that to take away, which is interesting. Well, Feyre gives more nudge and brings her back out of her little daydream about Eris and her parents and being left in the forest in the autumn court. The whole shebang. Yeah, that whole crazy. So anyway, we're we're doing that and that's a good sign. Um, Moore is grateful to Feyre for kind of nudging her back. And then, you know, it's just funny because Reese is like, look, if you all wanted to keep this private, well... A public gathering wasn't the wisest choice here. Duh. Yeah, like you pick a Tuesday and you meet at Starbucks. You don't do it <laughs> in broad daylight. <laughs> like around a holiday yep. when your high lord always comes to visit. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> well, Feyre decides to, to jump into the fray on this little game with Eris. And she's like, so how does your father's court fare? Because, you know, somebody we know like by the name of Tamlin is no longer really protecting his borders appropriately. So, you know. <laughs> we have a problem. A small one, but we do have a problem. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if Feyre... So then, I love it, because Feyre then decides to throw the gauntlet down and says, your father is forbidden to cross into the human lands. And Eris is funny. He's like, I don't think it's your call. And I'm like, damn. And Reese's response to this is, I would suggest reminding Baron that territory expansion is not on the table for any court. Okay, but like, enforce that one. <laughs> yeah, because then Eris comes back with, and I, you know, I have to realize, I, I realize that this is Eris's way of saying there's a problem in the spring court and somebody needs to get their ass down there and figure out what the fuck is going on. But still, it's a shitty way to do it. 
because then he's like, hi, Lord, I suggest you speak to your dear friend Tamlin about it. And it's because Tamlin's territory is the only one that borders the human lands. I'd think that anyone looking to expand would have to go through the spring court first, or at least obtain his permission. And, you know, they kind of go through this, at which point they realize that, oh, shit, there's a problem going on down in the spring court. We need to figure out what's going on, because, um, oops. Yeah, I feel like this should have become rather apparent, like, within, like, 45 seconds of everything, like, wrapping up in Akawar. Like, I just, (laughs) I'm not really sure how this amount of time has passed, and we're not like, oh, you know what? Tamlin's literally, like, the only thing we've got for a border right now, and that dude has nothing. (laughs) He's got, like, maybe three and a half guards, and not a clue in hell, and he hates it. Like, I just, this feels like the worst politics game I've ever seen. It's like, wow, did y'all really, like, work? Like, I just feel like I want to be like, yo, I expected more from Reese and, like, Helion to be like, you know what? Like we've been around the block before, and this looks like it's going to be a problem. <laughs> well, not even he- not just healing. I mean, I'm kind of surprised, honestly. Tarquin hasn't kind of been like, "What the living?" Yeah, fuck but, like Tarquin's still the baby High Lord, so I could see Tarquin being like, "I'm sorry, I was busy trying to fix my own shit. Like I kind of didn't have time to think about your shit." But like, I feel like recent healing should have been like, mm, "We've been around like a minute." <laughs> you. Know? And I don't um, know. My concern, like, I just, I, or like, are these not the kind of conversations you have with As? Like, mm, sir, what are your concerns uh, as we wrap up, uh, you know, the Highburn situation? My concerns, As, or like, how did this not come up? <laughs> Very true. Anyway, Reese and Favorite decide they're done, so they leave, and she follows them out, and she's kind of kicking herself because she just. She just kind of couldn't get her shit together. Moore's really struggling. And I'm, I have to yeah. say, I'm really kind of not used to seeing more this unsure of herself. So, you know, I don't know. It seems very strange. I will never understand. And I have never understood. I will never understand how Moore takes a job <laughs> going to the Hune City on the reg. But every time she goes to the Hune City, she like has a mental breakdown. I'm just really thinking like this job ain't for her though. <laughs> that or you know what you fuck it and you just kill him and be done with it because hello Reese has given her that permission I know I haven't figured that part out either but anyway anyway that's the end of the chapter thank goodness (laughs) I love more but oh my god stop just stop Morgan yeah yeah i will say there's like this like the last paragraph of the chapter is kind of like i like the little picture it painted here because and i and i point this out only because i feel like the rest of the chapter like i said more is not my favorite we've discussed this it's not really like more's fault <laughs> i just feel like i don't understand her character's motivations like let me put it this way for anybody who's an actor You'll understand when I say, I'm really glad that I have not been tasked with having to play more in any kind of play or film, because I do not understand her motivations, even a little bit. (laughs) I could not even fake it till I make it, okay? (laughs) I got nothing for her. So that being said, I really liked the paragraph that ended this, because I thought it painted, like, 
who painted a pretty picture not to be Pharaoh. Okay. But anyway, her red gown flowing behind her more turned her back on him on the smirking air to the autumn and followed her high Lord and lady through the darkness back into the light. Like, Oh, that was well written. The rest of the paragraph still not really sure what was going on or the rest of the chapter, not really sure what's going on, but that paragraph was nice. Yeah, I don't understand more. And in fairness, I don't think I understand more because of, uh, it's not like a writing issue, but like a, like, I don't think we've gotten her, like, we haven't gotten enough details to her story, probably on purpose, because it's probably all going to click for like a more centric story later. But I just feel like there are things that I'm like, no, this seems at odds to other things you've said. And probably there are reasons for that that make it make more sense. But I just truly sometimes feel like the more we met in Akamath is not the same more we have now. And between those two time periods, not enough has happened specifically to more for that to be the case. So it must be hearkening back on different types of like past trauma or past experiences. But like, we basically only know of one. So because we only, you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, but like, can everything really go back to that? That seems like a little much. So yeah, I just feel like there's details we're missing. Probably yeah, it's funny because I agree. I mean, I know where you're coming from, I guess. All right, this and and maybe this is a little bit different. The difference in our ages that I understand where more is coming from, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just I think. No, I mean it's completely possible. I think I think it also depends on like how you deal with problems. I think different people deal with like problems differently. It's kind of like you said, he's given her the right to kill him. So that's an option. And I tend to do like, that's why I get like, that's why I'm like excited for silver flames (laughs) because I think those are my people. (laughs) I think, I think the way those people are like, not fuck this though. That might be my people. And I get that. And, you know, I just finished rereading Silver Flames. And I do, I have some serious feelings. And I will say, I've changed some of my opinion about Nesta yeah. after it, which yeah. I never thought would happen. But I think now that we've been doing such a deep dive into all the different characters and, mm-hmm. and what their motivations are, that now I'm seeing things that I never saw before. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting the longer we do this, the more um, like critical I get of characters. Like I'm very, I'm, I'm more critical now of the characters, obviously, than I was in the early rereads. But like some of them, I've come full circle and can like forgive their character flaws. Others, <laughs> others, I feel like I just have really big question marks around. Like I still don't understand why Az doesn't know more things. Um, speaking of him, <laughs> so. Now that we've talked more to death after chapter six, chapter seven. Chapter seven is from Rhysand's point of view. And there it's a dose of ass. The big dose of ass. And it's set the next morning in the House of Wind in Reese's study office, whatever, the House of Wind. I don't know what it is. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Up to your interpretation, whatever pretty picture you painted in your brain, yeah, that (laughs) Uh That place. Anyway, um, he's meeting with Az, going over all kinds of things, 
Uh, the first one is the discussion that they had had um, about the fact that, well, um, you know, As was out doing his research on all the dissension going on in the Illyrian camps, and as As says, he's a little disappointed that it is more than he thought it was. Um, it's far more pervasive of an issue than they thought it was. So, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, kind of disturbing, kind of not. I'm not, I'm really not sure. And Reese is funny because he's like, gee, you know how to give me a, a real solstice gift, don't you? Thanks. You couldn't have waited. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, dear God, Reese, you're the one who asked him to find this shit out. Why are you mad at him, man? And Az is just kind of like, well, you know. But, you know, remember, guys, Az does not like the fact that he's Illyrian. He hates the Illyrians, and he calls them hypocrites. And then, of course, Az is thinking, you know, he asks asks him, he's like, you know, or, I'm sorry, Reese asks Az, have you told Cassian? And Az is like, nope, came right here. He'll arrive soon enough anyway. And Reese is going, well, it's more plants than I expected, even in my worst case calculations. So, yeah, this is really not good, y'all. Like, really not good at all. And as points out, well, it's not every member of these clans. Uh, The overall number just reflects the places where discontent is spreading, not where the majorities lie. Uh, there are only two females here who seem to be spewing poison about the war. One is a widow and one is the mother to a soldier. And as Reese counters, well, there's smoke, there's fire. And you're, this is where I like, I, I, I like As, but I don't totally get As. Because he's like, the Illyrians yeah. are pieces of shit. They train, train as warriors. And yet, when they don't come home, their families make us in the villains for sending them to war. And Reese is trying to be diplomatic and he says, their families have lost something irreplaceable. And which is like, they're hypocrites. Yeah, which like, I I feel at, like, like <laughs> I feel for Az, because I'm like, he's really not wrong. I, I do kind no. of wonder, like, how do you like have an entire, like, like, how is like your, I don't know that, I don't know, like, like, this is not just like, oh, my son went and joined the military, right? Like, no, no, these people are literally, like, bred into it on purpose. Like, that exactly. is literally, like, like, remember, this is a fantasy story. This is not like these kids turn 18 and they go and enlist and their moms cry when they don't come back. Like, obviously, that's sad. This is a little different because it's a fantasy story where they're literally bred from day one for this. <laughs> So, like, kind of with Az, where I'm like, what? But, like, in fairness, I also have to say that, like, Reese is actually finally paying attention to the politics again. Like I said, I feel like he took a little nap there for a little while and did not think about the politics of the post-Hybert situation. True. Glad he is now. But I think recent well, and going back to your idea about this whole they're they're bred to it, and I agree. And so like, you know, the thing is, is that as Reese asks him, he goes, "What would you have me do then? Disband the largest army in Prithian?" Okay, oh, yeah, dude. 
Dude, right? We need to talk about this. <laughs> if the Illyrians are the largest army in Prithian, what the fuck? Okay, if the... <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was like, wait, wait. If the Illyrians are the largest like army you have left... I really, I mean, I do not know what this world looks like, guys. Like, our map is not that great. Like, it's better than the Crescent City map, but it's not that great of a map. And so, like, I'm a little concerned about, like, what other forces live on this planet because the idea that your only fighting chance for all of Prithian is one Illyrian army. Oh, dear God. Exactly. I mean, those odds are not good. (laughs) No. It's kind of disturbing. I mean, I I don't know. Okay, not to go off on like a total, like down a rabbit hole for something that probably doesn't matter. But so, like, we know the Spring Court has no one. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. Well, Tamlin done fucked that up. That's what I mean. So, we know Spring Court has no one. Okay, cool. That's one court that's done fucked. Uh, Summer Court, I guess, had the probably the biggest loss due to everything in Akawar, right? Yeah, well, because we know that the Amarantha did a lot of damage in her 50 years. That's what I mean. And then on top of that, they were attacked. Right. And then they still showed up to fight. So, I mean, they probably had basically biggest losses. So I can see how Tarquin's like running thin over there. Um, but I don't really understand what the hell's wrong with everybody else. Well, no, because Kalias admits the only army he had left was the one that was under One Viv. that, right, yeah, that Viv had. Okay, fine. Yeah, because, okay, cool. Because then, Amarantha killed off his army. Sure. But I don't feel like we ever get those details about Autumn. No, we don't know what's going on. We in don't ever get those details about like Helian's people either. No, but Healing's people are more scholars than anything. I mean, I get that, but also, like, again, though, like, they're still Fae. At the end of the day, it's I know, but, like, even a scholarly Fae with a stick is, like, more dangerous than most humans. Well, here's my thing, though. And, 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 okay, this is me going off in a, on a, on a Fae tangent, like, on a fantasy tangent here. But if, if, if state court people are scholars, right? Sure. Then wouldn't it set to mind that the warriors in day court are more like paladins? Yes. Okay. I, I assumed, sure that, I assumed that, which is, I think, why my question stood where I was like, wait, what are they doing then? So hold on, right. I already forgot. So... So winter, yeah, okay, so winter, I'm going to go through them all. Winter has a crappy army to begin with. Right. Uh, summer got annihilated. Um, spring, fucked Amelie. <laughs> Autumn, we don't know. Autumn should have a pretty sizable force, I feel like. I agree. I mean, Baron's an asshole, but, you know, he doesn't want to die either. So I guess right now we don't know what Autumn's got. And then when we got Night Court, we know, well, I, we don't, well, the huge city should still have some numbers. And then we also have the Illyrians. The Illyrians are just probably way easier to wrangle. Right. Well, I mean, the huge city does have the Dark Burners. Right. 
So we still have those. But anyway, but I know that they got pretty badly too. So who knows? They did. Um, And then, but they were small to begin with. They were only what, maybe one or 2,000? True. And then, and then, and then, day, we got nothing. We have no, we don't know, we don't know jack shit. And we don't know much about Thiessen's court at dawn either, other than he has peregrines. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it stands to reason that the Illyrians are probably not the only rather large standing. I would think that Dawn's got a pretty large standing remaining as well. Because, like, if you can fly out of there, you're a lot better off than the ones who can't. (laughs) Yeah, though, do remember that at some point, I guess it was at the High Lords meeting, Reese mentions to Feyre that because they're talking about the peregrines and Reese talks to Feyre about the fact that Amarantha used to like to pluck their feathers. Oh, so maybe they also, so basically, okay, maybe, I don't know. Anyway, I apologize for all of you who have listened to us talk for seriously like eight minutes about the logistics of this. (laughs) I just think that probably it's going to matter down the road. And by matter, I mean probably in some other book in the future, we're suddenly going to hear about some other army that we're going to be like, well, there was that information back in Agatha. Like, we're going to be like, well, how come we didn't know about them then? Exactly. I'm so okay. basically, I bring this all up because it'll probably come up again in the future. I would have to assume because SJM do that though. She does, <laughs> and I don't totally disagree with you. It's just <laughs> random that you know Reese is like, "What you want me to just bend the largest army in Prithian?" And then it makes you wonder. Yeah, like now, now I'm like worried for them. <laughs> like, oh no, this is our biggest army, and they're mostly being assholes. Great. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's kind of disturbing, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Anyway. You know, and then, then they talk about the fact that, you know, more pressing, though, than than the dissension in the Illyrians, amongst the Illyrians, is the fact that the human queens have not returned to their own territories from their jointly shared castle. Okay, guys, I, like, forgot about the human queens completely until this moment. <laughs> I think I thought they were dead. No. Because remember, <laughs> they, they went back and they didn't come. The only one who came was Vasa. I know Vasa's the only one that came. I think, <laughs> I think in my mind, it was like, okay, guys, this shows how stupid I am. I think in my mind, it was like, they didn't show up. Well, fuck them. And then I just like assumed that, like, somebody was like, fuck you, and offed them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I know we, lo- like, I logically know we never got any details like that. But I think in my head, I was just like, well, those people are useless now, so they do not need to return in future stories. <laughs> <coughs> Cough, silver flames. <coughs> oh, God, they come back, but they're awful. Sorry. Oh, good. I'm so glad. See, they should have just stayed dead like they were in my mind. (laughs) And nobody else's. Okay, please, please send us a message if you also forgot about the queens and just kind of assumed they were dead somewhere. Thank you. Anyway. (laughs) I'm just saying, I thought they were sleeping with the fishes. Anyway. (laughs) 
Um, they decide to spare Kaz the details until after Solstice, though Kaz is very aware of what's going on. Uh, so then the conversation turns to Vasa and Jurian. At which point they're like, oh, so they're still with Grayson. Do we want to loop them in? What a weird choice to be a fly on that wall. What a weird group. You know, and, and, and Reese is thinking about this. He goes, you know, no queen ever had been appointed to the slice of territory at the base of Prithian. Only a council of wealthy lords and merchants. Jurian. Jurian. Yes, Jurian. Somehow had stepped in to lead it. Using Grayson's family estate. Like, I love it. It cracks me up. It does me too. Because, like, was... <laughs> we all remember what an asshole Grayson's dad was. So is that man really just like, sure, Jurian, you can take over our house? <laughs> like, I don't... Like, how is that going? I don't know. Maybe dad died. Maybe he's sleeping with the fishes anyway. <laughs> Anyway, carry on. We never do find out who died on the battlefield. I know, I know. I think truly, truly that is my problem. I think my problem is that we just know there was like such mass casualty due to the Highburn situation that in my mind, if we have not, like, if we have not actually spoken of you since Akawar, I just assumed you're dead. Pretty much. Some of this is like news to me. <laughs> anyway, they talk about Vasa and the fact that she's been granted a reprieve temporarily by this death lord that holds her to his lake under his magical spell. On the Gotta continent. be the story there. Well, you know, she's a firebird, and if we all want to go do no, that, I know. Homework, I mean, there's gotta be a story there. What makes a person just be like, mm, you're basically my slave, but I decided to go on vacation, do what the fuck you want for a little bit. <laughs> it makes me wonder. That, that, that's. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Boca. You do you for a bit, and I'll be back. <laughs> like... I don't get it. I'm just nodding my head, smiling, and keep on moving. Yeah, I felt like that was a detail. I was like, hmm, I guess we'll come back to that. (laughs) Reese does point out that Vasa is aware that the queens will be a threat until they are all dealt with, considering what they did to her and what they did to the other queen. Sure. So, hmm, we'll see. And so then they decide they're going to send Lucian. Or I should say, as decides they're going to have Lucian go address <laughs> Jurian. Sure. To which Reese is like, yeah, we can't send him. He's away. And, and as is like, what do you mean he's away? Worst spy master ever. And yeah, I mean, because then Reese is like, you're my spy master. Don't, don't you know? And and I love how as answers this, he goes, I don't make a point of looking after his movements. And Reese is like, why the undercurrent of Reese's question being why that's your job Um, (laughs) that's what I pay you for shadow master (laughs) sorry I'm laughing because Reese's response you sure about that (laughs) I know 
I just can't even believe they're having this conversation. Bernice is really just like, this is going this way. Hmm. Didn't see this coming today. Like, this wasn't on my schedule. Here we are. Hmm. And then Reese is like, and then as asks Reese, he demands, really, well, where did Lucian go? And Reese is finally like, look, he went to the spring court. He'll be there for the solstice. And as is just like, uh, Tamlin kicked him out last time he was there. <laughs> I know. And then Reese has to, like, drop the truth bomb of, well, he did, but he invited him for the holiday, probably because Tamlin will be spending it alone. <laughs> well, you know, <coughs> douchebag do. Of course, you know, it's not like Reese feels bad for him. <laughs> he kind of right. brought that one on himself. And then as as Reese acknowledges, though, the whole issue with Tamlin, with everything they have to do with him, it's far more complicated than just, it's not a black and white situation. And sure. part of it goes back to the fact that at one point in time, he and Tamlin had been friends. Sure. And then there's Feyre's initial relationship with him. And there are just multiple factors that go into this. And, and you know, I don't, I really don't envy Reese because it, it is certainly a very awkward situation at best. Yeah. Yeah. I would say. And also, like, we've come to know Reese through these books, but, like, let's be real. All the other High Lords and all the people on the outside are still like, mm, yeah, like, we're starting to realize maybe he might not be a bad guy. But since we thought he was a bad guy for literal hundreds of years, we're still a little sketched out about this guy. So, like, it's probably hard for him to make, like, big sweeping, like, actions, you know? Like, right. it's like we talked about. And I guess it's kind of like what we were saying, like, with Moore. It's like Moore's like, I guess I could kill my dad, but that seems like a lot. Like, <laughs> I think he's like, I guess I could just kill Tamlin, but that seems like a lot. <laughs> Is it worth the effort? Right. I don't know. Well, it's like, is it worth the effort? And then is it also worth the fact that, like, then I got to answer questions? And then also, like, who the fuck is going to take over the spring court? And are they going to be worse? <laughs> well, yeah. 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 Part of what so he I... struggles with, though, is, is that Tamlin is still in love with Feyre. Yeah. So it it just, ugh. Yeah. So then Reese is finally like, fine, I'll discuss Vasa and Jarian with Lucian when he returns and see if he's up for another visit. And then I like the question he asks Lucian uh, as, as he's like, do you think he can handle being around Grayson? Right. And As is like, well, why should I be the judge of that? And I love how Reese is like, wait a minute, you really weren't bluffing when you said you don't track any evolution's movement? (laughs) Right. Like I said, the undercurrent of everything Reese says in this chapter is like, I repeat, what the fuck do I pay you for? (laughs) But I love Az's response to this. He's like, evolution kills Grayson, then good riddance. (laughs) Which, like, okay, (laughs) touche. And Reese mentally says to himself, I was inclined to agree, and so would Farah and Nesta. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, this is like one of my favorite conversations that comes from this. <laughs> it is. This is awesome. Because then 
Then we have the awkwardness. Remember, we're coming up to solstice. You know, it's it's the Christmas solstice holiday, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, winter solstice is coming quickly. And Reese is joking with As about, well, I'm tempted. I'm half tempted to give Nesta hunting rights for solstice. <laughs> I.e. hunting rights on Grayson. Sure. And, um, you know, I, honestly, why not? I mean, fuck it. Dude's an asshole. Go get him. And then all of a sudden, you know, poor ass is like, wait, you're getting her a gift? And he's like in a total panic. And he's like, wait, I was going to say, I just like that he repeats himself. He's like, you're getting her a gift. Are we, are we supposed to get the sister's gift? <laughs> and Reese is like, uh, No. Uh, I, I don't think Nesta really gives a shit, and I don't think Elaine expects to receive anything from us. I'd leave the sisters to exchange presents amongst themselves. I can, so. again, I can only imagine Reese's face, like, this entire chapter is like, as, what the fuck do I pay you for? And also, also, my man, you're fucking sweating over Christmas shopping. <laughs> can you please? Chill out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like Reese is like, what is happening? Which is also how I feel about this chapter, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So then Reese is finally like, you know what? I can talk to Lucian about it myself, about going to Grayson's Manor in a couple of days. And all of a sudden, Ash is like, wait a minute. You're, you're going to visit the Spring Court? <laughs> Like he's like, darn, you not been listening to what your boss was telling you, dude. Yeah, darn Putin. <laughs> and you know, Reese is like, uh, well, yeah. And then As is kind of going, uh, well, I I can go with you, and I give Reese credit. He's like, no, it's better that I do this one on my own. And As is like, are you talking about Lucian or Tamlin? <laughs> Reese says both. Right. Fair, fair. I totally get that. I mean, yeah. So it, you know, they're they just kind of have this whole crazy conversation, and and Reese admits he'll ask Favor to go, knowing she's going to say fuck no. Right. But, you know, the goal here ultimately is they do they are trying to broker peace amongst the humans and the Fey and all the different courts and the different right. countries and territories and. I, I kind of got to respect that, you know? I mean, right. it's interesting. And then out of nowhere, Az brings up, well, hey, you heard about Briaxis? Any any luck? Like, okay, that's out of left field. Okay, dude. I know. <laughs> You're worried about Briaxis. Okay. Well, like I said, they're just kind of going through the list of characters that we forgot about. <laughs> And, you know, the, the comment comes back of, well, or actually, I guess it's Reese asks as about Briaxis. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, uh, Reese is like, while you've been out doing whatever the hell it is you might be doing, my man. <laughs> any, 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 any inkling of what happened to Briaxis? And I just love it because as is like, not a whisper or a scream for that matter. Boy. I like it. It works for me. I'm sorry. And of course, then Az is going to him. He's like, well, do you want me to hunt it down? And Reese is like, yeah, let him have a happy uh, solstice. You know, so then 
the whole question is, is, you know, when are you going back over to see what's going on with the queens? And As is like, eh, the morning after the solstice. He needs to do some shopping before he goes. And he tells As to buy her something from him and put it on, you know, his account. And he knew As wouldn't, but he nodded all the same. So my question is, buy something for who? <clears throat> I'm sorry. No, you're that's fine. That's how the chapter ends, but I want to know. Okay. And you're to do to do. We were talking about do to do to do. I don't know. I don't know. And you know why? <laughs> you know why I don't know? I don't know. Because I repeat, I don't really understand these characters' motivations sometimes. And we've talked about how in this book it's like a little weird because this is like different people's point of view and, and SJM is used to writing from Favor's point of view. So oh. so I'm trying to put myself in Reese's shoes. <laughs> I look at as and I say, buy her something for me, will you? And put it on my account this time. This time means that we've done this before. So right. I assume, I assume, okay, hear me out. I assume he's been doing his best to buy more a nice present every year since fucking Kingdom Come, right? But he probably doesn't do a bad job, but probably doesn't do a great job because, well, he's awkward. And so I'm sure it's just like a standing fucking, like, whatever whatever you're going to get, just get two of them kind of constant like kind of joke but i yeah again something had to have gotten cut here it just doesn't make sense because my thought you know initially my thought has always been oh it's more but yeah. then you know this now during this reread i'm not gonna lie i actually had a secondary thought because mm-hmm. we don't know if if as mother is still alive or not yeah, but that would be weird to throw in at this point. I wonder if he means, are you going to go buy Briaxis again? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean... Like, like is this a Briaxis joke? I don't know. Again, it's just weird. Like, Is it more? Is it, is it like, it, it just randomly? I mean, could Asriel's mother an still be alive? If you have an answer, friends, tell us. Please do. Yeah, I'm curious. I just, I don't no, know. Part of me wonders... I, I mean, it could know, be. But... Yeah, it's knows? a stretch. It's a stretch. I but mean, part, part, part of me, part of me thought he meant because that whole meltdown about are we getting the sisters' gifts? Uh, part of me thought he was just poking fun at him for that. Like, okay, yeah, well yeah, now yeah. that you feel the need to go do that, pick something out for me. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so maybe, but mm, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, not the best written line I've ever seen. <laughs> it just is a weird... It, it leaves too many questions than answers. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, well. Chapter 8's more more straightforward. <laughs> True. Thank God. So, that was the end of Chapter 7. We go to Chapter 8. Chapter 8 is told from Cassian's point of view. Yep, yep. I will say, I love these chapters from his point of view. I'm, I do I'm too. a Cassian fan. And... It says from Cassian, a storm is coming, uh, just in time for solstice. So they're definitely going to have a white Christmas or solstice or mm-hmm. whatever. 
you know. Uh-huh. Maybe maybe we should sing "Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow." <laughs> I don't know. So they're Illyrian. So I can't believe I'm going to put this out here as a horrible joke, but maybe their song of choice is "Baby, It's Cold Outside." <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Sorry, that was really bad. I'm sorry, but you know, I don't know. Color me crazy. I don't know. You know, it's the misogyny thing. <laughs> anyway, Cassian's still up in Windhaven and he's standing in the middle of this little town that gives me the way it's described. I totally picture the Wild West. I'm sorry, it's like a Wild West town. And he's like, you know, there's only a couple of shops, you know, it's a, uh, how is it? He says there's a handful of permanent houses and only a few shops occupied either side of the unpaved road, usually just the dirt track in warmer months, a general goods store, two blacksmiths, a cobbler, a wood carver, and a clothier. I mean, like I said, I totally get Wild West vibes. Right. I, yeah, uh, that or like, uh, for me, it comes to mind like Firefly. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of like sci-fi meets Wild West. Yeah, yeah, that's why, that's why I say that. Cause, cause yeah, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. yeah. It's still kind of Wild West vibes. It's just yeah. weird. It is weird. It is weird. And I'm actually glad you say that because I kind of thought it was just me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, I'm broken. It's fine. <laughs> Can I just tell you now, like, I have songs that I didn't add, but now I want to add to our playlist. Oh, my God. <laughs> Would you hate me? <laughs> Do it. It's an ever-growing okay. Well, I am. I'm going to add, well, definitely one. I may not add both, but I'm definitely adding one. Anyway. um. Cassie is standing outside the clothiers shop. Sure. And um, he finally goes in and he asks to speak with a Proteus, well, a gentleman named Proteus. You know, he, he checks out this young woman who's standing behind the counter. He gets upset when he sees the fact that she's been clipped. Yeah, but she holds his stare, and it, she reminds him of Nesta, which yeah. interesting, kind of cool. And she says, "Proteus was my father." At which point, Cassian's like, "I'm I'm sorry," and he's like, "You didn't come home from the war," and Cassian's like, "I I am even sorrier then." <laughs> I love her question. She's like, "Well, why should you be?" And then she goes, "I'm Emery." This is my shop now. So I love that we're meeting Emery and anybody who's really been following the series, we all know that Emery shows up in Silver Flames and anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of fun to see her and meet her and get to know Emery a little bit before Silver Flames. And that she's very much we know why she and Nesta become friends. And I will leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I love how he, he finds himself surprised that she has stepped up to keep running it. And he, he, as he surveys the small, tidy space and he realized 
Her store is filled with stock as if she just gotten a fresh shipment or no one had ever bothered to come in. Ever. Because remember, we are talking about Illyrians and their assholes. You know, they realize, he does realize Proteus must have had quite some money because, you know, he built the shop and owned it. Sure. And he doesn't, doesn't, you know, get too far about it. I don't want to go into all the weeds here. But Cassian finally looks at her and says, I'll take every bit of winter gear you have. And she's like, really? And he brings out his, his purse and and of of money this coin's purse and and the pouch not a purse sorry his coin his money pouch and puts it down and says that should cover it and emery's like i don't need charity and he's like then take whatever the cost is for your gloves and boots and scarves and coats out of it and give the rest back to me so she puts the pouch on the counter she bustles to the window display. She gathers all the, the items of winter clothing. And then she counts everything out. And she hands him back his money pouch. And he refrains from mentioning, and I find this interesting, that she was one of the very few Illyrians who'd ever accepted his money. Most had spat at it or thrown it on the ground even after Reese had become High Lord. Which I've said before, and I will say again, I do not understand do not understand how this man is like powerful as fuck and people just look at him and are like (laughs) you wear seven siphons you wear one if you're lucky like i do not understand do not understand do not understand (laughs) not only do i not understand this okay and i'm with you but we know, well, yeah, we do. We already know that Cassian has literally leveled his mother's, the village that his mother lived in, the village she was born in. He leveled it. Yeah. Freaking torched the thing to the ground. So and people the- aren't like, mm, beware this boy, though. <laughs> I just have to shake my head. I'm like, what the ever living fuck, people? Anyway. He yeah. looks at her and and she's like, you know, do you, she asks him, does she want, does she want him, does, does he want her to find some bags and boxes? And he's like, look, that's not necessary. And he's like, I assume you know enough about the camp and who has plenty and who has nothing. And he's like, a storm is going to hit in a few days. I would like you to distribute this amongst those who might feel its impact the hardest. And she kind of blinks at him and she goes, well, they, a a lot of them don't like me. To which he answers, they don't like me either. You're in good company. (laughs) And Cassian's response finally is, look, consider good advertising for the shop and tell him it was a gift from their high lord. And she asks him, well, why not you? And he's just like, "Mm, you know, better, better leave me out of it. And then Emery's like, okay, fine. I'll make sure this gets delivered to those who have need of it most by sundown. And he's getting ready to leave the shop. And she stops him by calling him Lord Cassian, which, of 
course, takes me back to Akamath when Farah did, and everybody and their brother busted a yeah. table. And she tells him happy solstice, which is kind of nice, you know. Go, go, yeah. He's like, you too, send word if you have any trouble with the deliveries. And she's like, I'm sure I won't need to. And I love his response to this. He says, fire in those words. Emery would make the families take them, whether they wanted to or not. He'd seen that fire before, and the steel. He half wondered what might happen if the two of them ever met. What might come of it? Yeah. And he's thinking about the storm that's coming, not just the actual winter storm, but the storm of Nesta. And that's <laughs> the end of the chapter. Nesta is quite the storm. <laughs> He is, but we we love her anyway. <laughs> um. Okay. Chapters nine and ten are from Favor's perspective, and I can pretty much sum them up as Favor wants to paint, Favor doesn't want to paint, Favor wants to paint, but doesn't want to go to paint night, and decides to paint alone in a shack. At the end. Um. <laughs> like if that's all the time you have, and you need to shut the episode off there. That's fine. That pretty much sums it up for you. Um. But uh, if not, there's a little more to it. But uh, that's pretty much it. So, chapter nine, Feyre's, like, freaking out. She's like, I'm going to throw up. I'm so nervous. I'm going to this paint night. Um, Because, what's her face? What's her face? Kim, help me out. Um, Because I can't see her. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Because did I already flip past that page? Yes, I did. (laughs) Invited favor to come paint with like her and her painty pals and favor was like okay but now she like has regrets and she's very very nervous she's never painted in front of people before uh and she hasn't painted in a really long time so she's like really just not sure about this decision and my favorite part about this is that she is walking right okay she's walking because she's carrying so much stuff she's carrying like a canvas and every paint known to man and a bunch of brushes because she doesn't want to show up with nothing she didn't ask if she was supposed to show up with these things or not or if they'd be provided and she doesn't want to assume they'd be provided so she's bringing everything and then just to make it even more hilarious she basically reminds us that she's carrying all these things and she's walking because she doesn't trust herself to winnow carrying this much shit and she definitely can't fly carrying this much shit (laughs) so she must walk (laughs) anyway she gets like super close she's almost there and she just like pauses because she has a little momentary panic attack and sweet reese down the bond is like everything okay (laughs) uh what he actually says everything all right a casual soft question the cadence of reese's voice soothing the tremors along my nerves he told me where he planned to go tomorrow what he planned to inquire about he'd asked me if i'd like to go with him i said no so she's like, <laughs> she's like, no, I'm going to do this. And he said, you know, he's, he's double checking on her. He's like, you okay? And she admits down the bond. She's like, I don't know if I can do this. And he asks if he wants, if she wants him to come with her. And he's, she, then there's like kind of a side quest about this where, you know, do you want me to come with you? No, I don't think so. Really? Cause I'd make a good nude model, that kind of nonsense. Cause you know, it's recently <laughs> we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> been a while since paint was involved in sexy time blah 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 yeah you get the you get the gist 
Um, but then he does say, as always, he leaves it up to her. And he says, if you want to go in, then go in. If you don't, then don't. It's your call. And she then announces down the bond, I think I know what I want to do. And then we get a snowflake. And um, now suddenly she doesn't have any qualms about winnowing with all her shit, which I think is a little weird. But anyway. Um, Very odd. Very odd. I'm with you. Suddenly she winnows inside that boarded up gallery, like studio space that we had seen before that she'd asked all those questions about. Mm -hmm. And I just like the picture this paints. So I'm going to read it. It's not like, like it's not important, but I think it's nice. Um, it's a, you know, she's describing it and says it had probably been lovely before the attack, a massive window faced southward, letting in endless sunshine and skylights also boarded up dotted the vaulted ceiling. The gallery in the front was perhaps 30 feet wide, 50 feet deep with a counter against one wall halfway back and a door to what had to be the studio space or storage in the rear. A quick examination told me I was half right. Storage was in the back, but no natural light for painting. Only narrow windows above a row of cracked sinks, a few metal counters still stained with paint and old cleaning supplies and paint, not paint itself, but the smell of it. I breathed in deep, feeling it settle into my bones, letting the quiet of the space settle too. Okay, and... random, random thought. I guess I've been in theater too long because you know what I thought of? Huh. So, I've been in too many theaters with paint shops. Yeah. And I literally, all I can imagine is the smell of the paint shop. The problem yeah. is, is the paint shop that I'm the most familiar with at one point in time had milk paint in it on a couple of different occasions. And milk paint mm. goes bad. And there is nothing worse than milk paint that's gone bad. Think about bad milk, and then think about bad milk that's been. Then think about milk that's been turned into paint that goes bad. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with maybe not that smell. <laughs> but for whatever the reason, every time I read that, that's the smell that comes to mind, and I'm like, that's funny. Oh. But I thought it was, I just think it's a nice description. But yeah, so long story short, she has winnowed into the space. And um, basically, to sum it up, what she decided she wants to do is paint alone. But paint. So, I mean, we're still making progress. And she admits that she just didn't want to do this first painting in front of others. She admits that she can barely do it in front of herself. And that's the end of chapter nine and chapter 10 picks up right there. And basically she's just, she's painted, painted. She's been painting for hours. Right. And mm-hmm. I'd known what needed to come out of me. The moment I perched on the rickety stool, I dusted off from the back. I would barely been able to hold the paintbrush steady enough to make the first few strokes from fear. Yes. I was honest enough with myself to admit that, but also from the sheer unleashing of it as if I were a racehorse freed from my pen, the image in my mind, a dashing vision that I sprinted to keep up with. But it began to emerge, began to take form. And as the bell towers of Alaris uh, let us know, it's like midnight. So she'd been here for a good ass time. Um, she, wraps up, <laughs> she wraps up her painting and she looks at it. And staring back at her is the image of herself as she saw herself in the Ouroboros mirror. Okay. Well, that had to be an interesting painting. <laughs> yeah. Um, she calls it the first stitch to close a wound, which I think is interesting. Um, in fact, she says it cool. twice in the span of a single page. But, you know, that's fine. You you do what you got to do, Feyre. And uh, cool. being that that painting is a whole lot of something, Kim, uh, she has to have this little conversation with herself about what the fuck is she going to do with it now? 
<laughs> which like I feel like on a soul level I feel about art I've made where it's like mm, mm-hmm, that served a purpose while I was making you now what do I do with you <laughs> yep um she's like i can't bring it back with me to townhouse someone will find it or reese will find it it'll just be awkward and she's like well guess i'm gonna leave it here no one would find it even if somebody did like they're not gonna know what it is or who painted it so whatever um so ultimately she just decides she's gonna leave and leave the painting in the uh busted up old studio and supposedly supposedly she's gonna come back for it tomorrow but you know we'll see about that <laughs> and then she's like and then i'll find like some closet in the house of wind to throw it in yeah she's like maybe there's like a closet in the house of wind <laughs> <laughs> oh which i think is oh, okay but anyway that's the end of chapter 10 told you they were short and sweet and to the point <laughs> Yay! Um, my short ones and i kind of beat the horse dead a little but you know oh, that's okay gotta do what you gotta do uh <laughs> so uh i don't have any tiki talkies today um so kim hit us with your songs so um so i did add what i was inspired to add at least one of them um <laughs> so we have 10 songs for chapters Woo! five through ten so we're averaging two songs a chapter not bad love it Anyway, the first song is Our Love by Curtis Harding and Jasmine Sullivan. Uh, it's Favorite and Reese in the bedroom before they go to visit the Hume City. Because, sure. you know, sexy times. Trying. Yes. An attempt uh, was made. <laughs> an attempt was made, yes. Uh, song two is Stars Aligned by Lindsay Sterling. I love Lindsay Sterling. I She's do, so too. Awesome. Um, and it's more the Hume City. Uh, song three is The Voice by Celtic Woman. Again, more at the Hume City, but it's specifically during her memory of Eris, the flashback she sure. has. Uh, song four is Enemy, featuring J.I.D. by Imagine Dragons and J.I.D. It's the three of them, the inner city at the Hume City. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, in a mm-hmm. circle, I mean, at the Hume City. Sure. Um, and this is this this is coming from, even though it's by them, it, it's I found it on the soundtrack for Arcane League of Legends. I've been listening to that a lot lately. It's it's a really cool anime series. Both my husband and my son have been watching. And so I started watching it. And I, I gotta tell you, the music, the music is amazing. And uh after listening to the to to the soundtrack, I realized that this song was it was spot on for this section. Nice. Um song five is <laughs> You like this one. It's Rumor Has It by Adele. <laughs> it's what Az and Reese are talking about all the descent and Illyrian with the Illyrians and Tamlin and, you know, stupidity overall around the world. So, Rumor Has It. <laughs> Song six. This is my new edition. I was inspired. It's Wild Wild West by the Escape Club. <laughs> appropriate and it's cassian standing there in the windhaven shopping area with the little shops and describing it i absolutely love it i can't help it man it really made me think of that um song seven is winter the bass dance by blackmore's night and it's when cassian is actually placing his order with emery song eight 
is Traditions of Christmas by Manaheim Steamroller. And it's Favor on her way to Racina's. And she's talking about the different people and decorations that she's seen and the preparations going into Solstice. So it's, it's honestly, it's the only quote unquote Christmas song in the entire yeah. selection this time. Song nine is A Delicate Art from Arcane, the League of Legends uh, soundtrack. And it's with When Favors Painting. And song 10 is What Could Have Been featuring Ray Chen. It's Sting and Ray Chen. And it's from Arcade League of Legends soundtrack. And it's Favor Painting Alone in the Gallery. Like when she is talking about and painting this creature she saw in the mirror in the Ouroboros. And that's it. I love it. And, um, yeah, uh, next episode will uh, just appear when it does before the end of July. And then probably another one will just appear when it does before the end of July. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting these out. <laughs> Technology is not our friend. Technology is not our friend. I have, I have, I have, I have low, low expectations of getting this out. <laughs> So he made it this far. Yay! It means it did not break. <laughs> gold star to you. And you and you. Everybody gets a gold star. Exactly. Um, but anyway, uh, you'll probably hear us in your ears again pretty soon because like I said, we gotta wrap up this book before the before the end of the month. So yeah, cool beans. Yeah, and enter the contest, guys. Enter, enter, yes. enter. Enter the giveaway. Go do the thing. Facebook and Instagram. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> more did not did not did not i cannot reiterate enough how much more did not pick out this gift i mean at least i don't think so <laughs> i guess to each their own <laughs> i guess i mean i guess more okay. probably doesn't think she picked out a bad gift either but <laughs> i think that's honestly debatable on many levels True, true. Maybe more is playing stupid. Like she's like, if I stop, if I keep getting people ugly, stupid things, they won't ask me to shop for them. <laughs> you know, that's not necessarily a bad way to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's probably accurate. Anyway, all right. Um, I guess that's it. So, okay, bye, okay. bye.